truly at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 136 of Dogcast Radio. On this show, we have advice on how to take great photos of your dog. You don't need the top of the range camera. You could have just a camera phone or a very simple point and shoot camera. Plus, we have the Dogcast Radio News, Buddy's Diary, a health update on Buddy and more. But before all that, we have an interview with trainer Pamela Johnson. Pam runs her Dog Academy in San Diego and you heard from her in last month's show all about dog toys. Pam's produced several YouTube videos to help owners learn how to train and interact with their dogs. And in this interview, I talked to her about one that particularly caught my attention, which is teaching a hug or a walking into the arms behaviour. This behavior because I have I have one border collie that when he he's older and he was my first clicker trained dog and I'm sure I made of course made lots of mistakes I'm a I'm human I still make mistakes but um, there was one behavior that I always it always bothered me that you know he would notice when I would get stressed because I started I started doing agility with him and I. I probably put him in too many stressful situations, and who knows. But um, he would get stressed, and he'd run off. Hmm. So instead of him running to me, which is what I wanted, you know, it would keep him safer as he ran to me instead of getting stressed and running away. Or um, if, you know, that was just one reason why I I decided to train this behavior. Hmm. But... And also the other reason is because a lot of times dogs don't like to be hugged. Yeah. You know, it's not natural behavior to hug a dog. And you see that, you see it in the news all the time. A kid hugs a dog and gets bitten. Yeah. A person goes to pet a dog the wrong way, they get bitten. Because, you know, dogs are just not used to that type of um human affection. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, dogs don't do that naturally. Mm-hmm. So I trained them to come in close to me when I open my arms or when I say, give me hugs. And when I open my my arms, that just is a cue to them to come in close to me instead of running away. And there's so much value. I've built so much value for them coming in and giving me hugs that um, they wouldn't even, it's almost second nature. It's almost, um, it's just muscle memory now that I say, give me hugs, or I open my arms, and I go, woohoo, we're coming to you. They're very excited to, to have that behavior happen. And um, I think that that is so much more important than a dog. You open your arms, like, come here, come to me, come close, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the dog goes, oh, no, I don't like that body stance. I'm out here. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm running the other way. Um, you know, if they did run the other way, the chances of them maybe getting hit by a car or, you know, running smack into another dog that maybe is not friendly or, I mean, you just never know. I would much rather go give me hugs or open my arms up and they come running close to me instead of um, hating it and wanting to run away from me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a really useful thing, as you say, if you're in a dangerous situation that you have a signal. Um, yeah. And, I mean, they do... I, I do think they pick up on body language and um, I mean my recall is arms outstretched to the sides you know so the dog can see it from a distance um, right right and and so they they do come into that and I know in agility sort of the the open 
body pose with arms, you know, out is a calling yeah. in of the dog, isn't it? So they do pick up on it. But it's that it's that added thing of if you put your arms round them, you know, sort of how are they going to react? And I think I found your video. Yeah. There was um, Hug a Dog Day. And, and I thought, oh, I'll put that on the Dogcast blog. And then I thought, I'm just going to check because I know it, it isn't a natural behaviour for dogs. And that was how I came across your video and thought it was a brilliant um, piece of training. Um, as you Thank say, you. because of the, the impli- well, because of the implications of the, the situations that you can save your dog from, mm-hmm. you know, simply with, with a gesture. Yeah. Or simply just, you know, maybe um, you've taught this behaviour and, and the dog loves it with you, not saying that they will love it with everybody, yeah. but you could start to generalize the behavior by, by having other people. Um, you would want to do it with people that they know first, and, you know, you wouldn't want to ever put your dog in a situation where you're not sure what the person's going to do. But you could, you know, just teach them that that behavior is okay. Um, so maybe have the husband do it and the kids in the family, immediate family, teaching the dog that this is a good thing, being close to you is a good thing, and good things happen when you're being hugged or being close to, and the treats happen, maybe you get clicked and you get a, a ball and you get to go away from the person because maybe, maybe the actual reward is getting to leave the person, but um, mm-hmm. I, I think that... You know, it sets the dog up a little more to be successful on some of the crazy things that humans do to dogs if they already kind of like it. So um, it can be helpful, but I mean, you still, I still would not recommend taking that behavior of, I would not take my dogs that love their quote, cute hug. and let any stranger do that to them. No. Because I don't, first of all, they're, they're not comfortable with that person. I'm probably not comfortable with that person. Um, so I don't know what that person's going to do after the hug. Are they going to, like, pat them on the head or, mm. you know, like, mm. who knows? Yeah. But the- I, would, I would keep it for something that's just for you and your family members so that that dog will know to come close to you when you open your arms. Yeah. I wouldn't go out and have every stranger... Um, hugging your dog. No. no. I mean, they're, they're all different. I mean, as I say, my lab will just let anybody do anything. And I mean, people do take it for granted, too much for granted, that a lab is a softie. And, you know, people walking along the street will just jab their hands at him. Now, luckily, he, he doesn't care. He's just like, oh, hi, hello, more attention. But, you know, right. it is something that people should be more aware of. But he, he just loves it. Um, whereas our Bichon is a bit more kind of, I'll wait and see. You know, she, if, if somebody opened their arms to her like that, she'd be like, no, you have to earn my good opinion, thank you. <laughs> right, so, right. I guess, is it sort of one of those things where we need to find the dog's comfort level, you know, and, and, and work from there? For sure. Um, and at first, when I was first teaching this behavior, um, they weren't very comfortable being hugged. Um, I had to work on a lot of handling prior to them even liking the hug. So, you know, my one border call, I hated being pat, you know, pet on the head. Mm-hmm. And that's, of course, where every human wants to pet a dog is right at a smack mm-hmm. on top of the head. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to desensitize and counter-condition him to like being pet on top of the head. 
Mm-hmm. And then counter condition reaching over him, you know, touching him on the other side because anytime you reach over a dog, sometimes they don't like that either. It's not a natural yeah. behavior either. Um, it's more of a, for the lack of better term, um, dominant, which I hate that term, but um, it's more of a intimidating. Yeah. It's more intimidating to go over. That's a better word. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. I had to teach them to like that behavior. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, like that behavior, me reaching over them and pulling them toward me and clicking them for for moving toward me until I get to the point where I can reach my arm over as if to give a hug and they move in automatically without me putting any pressure touching them at all that just you know that Mm. is already telling them oh move closer so they do it on their own they get clicked and treated and then once they make contact with my body and they're actually what I would call giving me a hug then they get jackpotted so they're going to get clicked and treated um with a a huge jackpot and eventually put it under a verbal cue um but right now in the beginning it's just more uh my arms are reached out that means you come in close to me yeah um yeah yeah. and i mean actually there's there's quite practical applications because i'm just thinking when when you bath I'm thinking of a larger dog, obviously not a little dog, but with a larger dog, you're often on their level with your arms round them, trying to get to the bits that they're trying to go, no, I don't want you to wash that bit, you know, or grooming them. So it it is helpful if they'll tolerate that behaviour, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think any time you reach over them or you're reaching for them, um, if you're even reaching for them to trim a a paw or a nail, you know, trim a nail, we don't want to trim their paws, Um, (laughs) trim one of their nails. I mean, just any type of reaching at dogs, sometimes they go, wait a minute, I don't want you reaching toward me. We want to go, oh, I love when you reach toward me. Instead of going, you're reaching toward me, I'm splitting, I don't want to be close to you. We want them to say, oh, you're reaching for me, oh, I can't wait to get closer to you. Yeah, yeah. Mm Um, Pam, that's that's great advice. Um, you you sound like you're really passionate about sort of helping owners and dogs live, sort of understanding one another and, and as happily as possible. Yes, definitely. Yeah. You know, I mean, they are. I think dogs they they have short lives compared mm. to you know humans, and um, I feel life is short, so why not just enjoy every moment with your dog and and have them enjoy being with you as well yeah. and not being stressed out about, you know, getting a bath or stressed out about having their nails clipped or being groomed or mm-hmm. um, any of these things that can be highly stressful for a dog because if you don't practice it and repeat and reward and, you know, and practice things over and over and over with them and teach them that it's a good thing, then they're just going to hate it. Yeah. And I would really, I mean, I think it's the worst when I, I have a good example. Um, I've been training a friend's dog as they're on vacation. And um, she wanted me just to train loose leash walking and, you know, work on staying and um, just a few little things with her new mm-hmm. little... And... Um, I noticed that the dog's nails were so long. And I and I told my husband, I said, well, we're just going to go over there, we'll do a little training, and I'll trim the nails. 
Well, here I'm thinking because I I can do that with my dogs in like two seconds. I can clip all their nails and they'll just even give me their paw. They don't even care because I've built up that value and um, that comfort level and that trust with them that they know that the nail clippers come out, good things happen, they get treats, they get their toys. Um, so, of course, they, wa- they want their nails clipped because they like it. Mm-hmm. Well, built it to where they like it. <laughs> um, and so I go and I'm thinking, oh, let's clip their nails. Oh, my gosh, this poor little dog, just me grabbing one paw, sent her into a total panting frenzy. She was so stressed and upset. I'm like, oh, my gosh. All I did was reach for mm-hmm. reach for her paw and, and hold it, and she was just like, oh, my God. So we spent probably the whole rest of the training session just desensitizing her to me touching her paws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, my hand gets a little closer to your paw. Yes, you get clicked and you get treated. But it was really a shocker to me at how... You know, most people probably don't even think about, they probably just do it. Yeah. They probably don't think about, does the dog like it? Mm-hmm. They probably just go, well, I'm busy this week. I need to get the nails clipped. Let's just go clip them. Yeah, and yeah. To me, it was kind of sad. Yeah. Do you know, we could do a whole other interview just about that, couldn't we? Of course we could. Yes. But it's the same thing with the hugs, you know. We desensitize them to like it instead of, you know, just just forcing them to do it mm. yeah, yeah and i think a lot of times people hug their dogs and they hug them and they just they're forcing them because they want that dog to hug them yeah, yeah. The dog doesn't really like it but you can you could train them to like it mm. yeah i'm um, sure yeah pam that's that's great advice um where can people find out more about you on the internet um, they can reach me through www.pamsdogtraining.com or they can view my videos on YouTube channel Pamela Markson and that's spelled P-A-M-E-L-A-M-A-R-X-S-E-N. That's great. Um, thanks ever so much for uh, explaining us the, the value of, of uh, training a hug and how to do it. And, uh, well, I hope I did. I hope I explained it properly. Uh, if people have questions, they can always they can always contact me. I do answer all pretty much every single message that I get on YouTube. I do respond to. So Excellent. if they have questions, they can always get in touch with me. We have links to Pam's website and YouTube channel on the Dogcast Radio site. And I have to say that I've spotted there's a video of Pam doing a Star Wars themed heel work to music routine with the coolest prop I've ever seen, a lightsaber. I so want to have a go at that. So thanks, Pam, for inspiring me. I sometimes look into the face of my dog Stan and see a wistful sadness and existential angst when all he is actually doing is slowly scanning the ceiling for flies. Meryl Marker. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. Hello and welcome to the Dogcast Radio News Desk. I'm Kate. And I'm Nick. We start with two extremely unpleasant incidents that happened in the UK recently. When Karen Duke set off for a walk in Harlow, Essex with her two Jack Russell Terriers, 14-year-old Trixie and 12-year-old Sashi, she had no idea that it would be the last walk for poor little Trixie. 
Both dogs were off lead, but Karen was keeping an eye on them, as Trixie has trouble with both her sight and her hearing. As they passed a tethered horse, Karen turned to find the animal rearing up, and then the unthinkable happened. The horse brought its hoof down right on top of Trixie. Although Karen rushed her to a vet, her pelvis and leg had been shattered, and the vet felt surgery was out of the question due to her age, so the dog was put to sleep. Heartbroken Karen has complained to the council, but has been told she should have had the dog on a lead. Equally, when Paul Stewart and his 11-month-old Cocker Spaniel Revel set off for a walk across the fields in East Lothian, Scotland, they expected a pleasant time, but disaster struck. Scrap metal thieves had stolen a manhole cover, and in an horrific incident, poor Revel fell through the open hole into the sewer system and was washed away. Despite Paul calling the police and fire brigade, no trace of Revel was found, and officials at nearby Seafield Waste Water Treatment Works said there was no way poor Revel could have survived. There was a happier outcome in Charlestown, Boston, USA, when a would-be dog poisoner was thwarted by a sharp-eyed dog walker. Ryan O'Connell's boxer Basset Hound Cross Terry was ill around six months ago after picking up food whilst out on a walk. Then in September this year, Ryan spotted a neighbour with a five-gallon bucket full of chopped-up hot dogs and what appeared to be antifreeze. The man admitted he was trying to poison dogs. A shocked Ryan returned with his friends and picked up over 30 hot dog sausages, which they handed in to the police. An investigation is being carried out, but let's hope the dogs of Charlestown are safe now. And talking of safe, how safe can you be around guns? Well, apparently not very if you have an affectionate dog and you don't put the safety catch on your gun. An embarrassed Frenchman, who would only be identified as René, was out hunting with his blue Gascony Basset dog when the dog jumped up at him. He accidentally caught the trigger and the gun went off shooting René through the hand. Sadly, René's hand had to be amputated, but he was at pains to point out that it was not the dog's fault at all. He said the dog is not fully trained yet and he called him adorable. And talking of adorable, did you know that Clifford, the big red dog, is turning 50? And indeed, have you got any idea what breed he is? Well, Norman Bridwell, the man who writes and illustrates the Clifford books, made him red as he happened to have a jar of red paint on his desk when he did the original painting. And he decided to make him, well, a bit different. Clifford is certainly that. And that's all from us on the Dogcast Radio News Desk. Goodbye. Marley taught me about living each day with unbridled exuberance and joy, about seizing the moment and following your heart. He taught me to appreciate the simple things, a walk in the woods, a fresh snowfall, a nap in the shaft of winter sunlight. John Grogan. Do you struggle to take good photos of your dog? Well, Sarah Loveland has developed a pack full of ideas to help you do just that. Sarah's a professional photographer who's worked with the most difficult subjects of all, not just dogs, but children and babies too. Sarah has three dogs, and on the morning I spoke to her, she'd just returned from a Petsa's therapy visit with one of her dogs. I have. I took um, Scooter, who's a three-and-a-half-year-old Bedlington Terrier, for uh, his first visit to a residential home. Mm. Um, he's qualified as a pack dog, so uh, louting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and how did that go? It went very well, very well. It's a new environment for him. He's done a pack visit with children, mm. but he hadn't done a, a, a visit uh, in a home uh, with elderly people and, and dementia sufferers. Um, but it went very well. 
Oh, excellent. And, you know, that must make such a difference to their day. It's, you know, it must become a highlight. Yeah, a lot of the uh, the people we saw had had dogs of their own mm. uh, before going into care and uh, they were telling me about their dogs and they liked to, to make a fuss of him. So it was, it's good for them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, lovely. OK, well, your your real job is being a photographer, isn't it? Um, yes, yeah, and, and we all take photos and they don't always come out very well and yours do because I've seen them. Um, and you've brought out two packs to help people take great photos, haven't you? That's right, yeah. I've uh, produced, designed and produced two sort of gift boxes and uh, one of those is how to photograph your dog mm-hmm. and the other one is how to photograph your newborn baby. That's something else that I, I specialise in. Yeah. But, uh, the range will be expanding, but uh, those two are out at the moment. Lovely. So what can people find in the How to, to Photograph Your Dog pack then? Okay, in, in the pack um, there's some lesson cards with some um, hints and tips and uh, some little tricks so you can get to, get to know your camera and take better pictures. But you don't need the top-of-the-range camera. You could have just a camera phone or a very simple point-and-shoot camera. Uh, and it just helps you to, to take better pictures with it. Uh, and then there's some four little tasks on a, a task sheet that you can pop in your pocket. Uh, where you can go out and have a go. Um, it's like little projects, if you like. And then there's four um, self-assembly card picture frames and a little easel so you can display your masterpieces uh, when you're happy with them. Oh, that's lovely, because that's what we want to do, really, isn't it? We, we sort of want to display them, whether you put them in, up in your house or on Facebook or, you know, whatever. You, you yeah. want to share your pictures, don't you? Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, you should be proud of them. If you've taken pictures that you, you really like, then be proud of them and put them on display. Yeah, Definitely. I mean, I, I, we take hundreds of photos and as I say, they don't all come out wonderfully, but you know, um, it, it's a lovely um, souvenir sometimes of a great day out or, you know, as we all know, dogs don't live that long a life, you know, and, and it's a great memory of a, of a dog's life to have those photographs to look back on, isn't it? That's right. It's about capturing the moment. You don't always have to be the perfect shot. I mean, you can have shots that you're set up um, for, for, for great shots, but also you know dogs are a bit unpredictable and they do cute things at random moments so it's uh, it's about yeah. recording those as well as you know your perfect picture yeah you've just sparked a memory in me because we have lots of photographs uploaded to the the dogcast radio site by listeners and um and and some of them are, are really cracking shots and they're great but the one um was quite a blurry photograph of um a, i think it was a springer spaniel and i sort of looked and thought, oh that's quite blurry uh, but then the, the caption with it was just, um, I can't remember the dog's name, but it said, this is so-and-so, my dog. I love him. He is the best dog in the world. And I just filled up because I thought, oh, it, you know, it doesn't matter the quality of the photo in that sense. It, it's just about loving your dog, you know, and, and even though the photo was blurry, she still wanted to share it with the world that she loved her dog. And, and that's what it's about, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's about capturing those special moments and, and your bond with your dog, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. OK, so we're not going to give away all the, the, the secrets and uh, the, you know, the industry secrets that you've put in your, your packs. But we're going to talk about your three top tips for taking pictures of your dog, aren't we? Yeah, that's right. I mean, basically, there are three, three things that can make or break a picture, whether it, you're photographing your dog or anything, really. You can use these for any situation. And the first one is what's in the background, because we all do it. We take a picture and then we'll look at it later and there'll be a, a tree coming out of the top of the dog's head or there'll be a, a nasty, horrible, ugly, ugly rubbish bin in the background and, mm. and things that you really wish were, weren't there and you can't move them after the fact. 
uh, unless you're good at you know photoshop and things like that but um so always check what's behind because it might be that just taking a simple step to the left or to the right can change what's behind the dog mm. and that can make the picture much better mm. that's a really good uh, good tip because some of the photos i take um go into sort of magazines you know to accompany articles i've written and it, as you say you take the picture and you think it's great and then you look at it at home and you think why didn't i spot that so that's a really good um good piece of advice yeah. and the, the next one the next one is uh, to choose a well-lit spot i mean you can't always you know move the dog uh, but um, if you're trying to take a particular type of picture then get outside or you know choose a really well-lit spot by by a door or window in the house uh, and that will make a big difference but also as long as you're not um, shooting into the light that causes problems so if you don't shoot towards the sun have the sun or the light just over your shoulder and that will that will produce a better picture. Okay, great. Yeah. And third one is try different angles. So don't just take the picture. Uh, try getting down on your dog's level. It's a little bit risky because you might get jumped on or they might lick the camera. <laughs> but uh, it, it's, you can produce some interesting pictures from, from low down angles. But also if you stand up and you shoot down uh, onto your dog, if they're lying down or sitting down. So try different angles rather than just stand there and press the button. Yeah, yeah, all all great pieces of advice. Now, does it help if your dog has had some training? You know, and I'm thinking here, if you can say to your dog, sit, and the dog's got a fair chance of sitting, does that help with taking photographs? It does help a lot. Um, It's it's not essential, but, I mean, it, it does make a difference because it puts you in control of the situation. So you can get them to sit somewhere you know that there's a nice background behind them or where you know that the light is right. Um, whereas if they're charging back all over the place, it, it's a little bit harder co- to control. But I mean, if you don't have the, the obedience skills, then you'll, you, you will need to sort of like drag somebody else in a lot to, to help out and uh, manage manage your dog. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, training is is great. Yeah, yeah. And, and bribery always works well. I feel even with as you know that the, the, they will sit down and stay. But just to have that treat by the camera. So you can yeah, see, yeah, and also yeah. it needs to be fun for you, fun for your dogs. I mean, yeah. one of my one of my dogs will get the camera out, and they they almost go, "Oh no, we've got to pose for the camera again." <laughs> so you have to keep it fun for them. So you know, use their favourite toys. There's a little handy squeaker in in the dog box, mm. um, which you can use to just to get their attention if they're you know a bit distracted. But yeah, treats, toys, whatever they like use it <laughs> yeah definitely bit of bribery yeah. um okay now that's fair enough when you've got one but when you've got sort of more than one we've got three and it's quite a challenge in fact we we do work as a team because i get jenny to help me and we sort of get them to sit or get them to to lie down and funnily enough one of the ones we've taken was jenny got them to lie down and i stood on a bench just behind her and got a nice shot of the dogs looking down so that was quite good um but uh, what are the challenges of, of sort of trying to work with more than one dog it's tricky. Uh, you, I think if you're going for more than one, then go for go for something a little bit more natural. Yeah. Um, if if you've got more than one, then they do really need to be able to sit and stay or wait if you yes. want them to be posing <laughs> for the camera. Mm. Um, and they always there's always one that gets distracted and looks the other way, or you yes. put two in position and the other one wanders <laughs> off, and you have to bring them back, and then they seem to take it in turns to wander off. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit more of a challenge, but go for something a little bit more natural rather than you know, perhaps uh, trying to get them all to sit and look at the camera. Yeah. 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 Sometimes, like, you know, you've just mentioned the the squeaker toy. Sometimes something that's a novelty that they haven't seen or heard before, you know, could maybe get their attention and you'll get them looking at the camera then maybe and not running off so much. 
Yeah, just, I mean, I, I'll make all sorts of funny noises to, <laughs> and different noises and sounds work differently for different dogs, you know, and, you know, you can have like a, don't, don't give it to the dog, but if you've got like a rustly crisp packet in your pocket, that can, uh, that can get them to prick their ears up and, and have a look. But uh, yeah, it's finding what works for your dog and what motivates them really. Yeah. 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 Now, one of the most difficult things I find is trying to get a really good action shot. And I've seen some of your pictures of your dog sort of leaping over sand dunes and things, and they look gorgeous. Um, and that's, that's a real challenge for me. So give, give me personally some advice, Sarah. What, how can I get a good action shot? Right. First of all, what you need is you need a nice, bright, sunny day. The mm-hmm. more light there is, the, the more chance your camera will have of coping with the movement. Okay. Um, if your camera has uh, a setting on it where there's a, like a little running man or something like that, mm. they call it sports mode or action mode. If you set it to that rather than the automatic settings, mm. uh, again, you're telling the camera that you're trying to capture something that is moving. So that might help. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what you really need to do is if you know your dog does a certain thing, like if he runs and, and fetches a toy, then set up the shot. So get get someone to hold the dog, put the ball where you want them to run so ideally rather than running at you get them running across in front of you because that's easier to to track the action rather than them coming straight at you but it's it's trying to manage and control the situation the best you can yeah so once you know what your dog's going to do if there's a game they like to play then set set that up so that they're doing doing it in the right place <laughs> yeah yeah so so sort of give them a direction if you like yeah and as you say use a toy it doesn't have to be a verbal one but no know what you what you're expecting the dog to do yeah yeah, yeah. With the sand dunes like i know my dogs like to race up and then back down they've done it a couple of times so then i said right i got them to wait i was ready and then i sent them off and off they went and i knew exactly where they were going to go because they'd already done it yeah yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, we, we've had been having fun with Rusty because being a Border Collie and a very active Border Collie, he loves leaping in the air for a football or a tennis ball or, you know, whatever. And, uh, and I've been trying to capture that really well. But um, I think the mistake I've done is, is trying to do that on my own. So right. it's sort of, you know, you kick the ball and then you're trying to get the shot quickly. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. need somebody else. Yeah. Yeah definitely um okay that that's really great so i mean I'm, I'm hoping that people will be inspired by this and go and take some some photographs and then maybe upload them to the site and let us know that you've been using sarah's advice and then we can let sarah have a look at the photos as well yeah um, that would be brilliant i'd love to have a look yeah. yeah i tell you the biggest challenge i'm gonna have sarah is finding a sunny day i know it's <laughs> a bit grim yeah <laughs> it does have to be bright sunlight i mean it's you know, it's sometimes if, if it's a little bit cloudy, the light's more even. You mm. don't get harsh shadows. But um, but you want to sort of a bright, you know, as bright as you can, really, rather yeah. than as it's getting dark or about to rain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. I'm, I'm going to go and try and, and try and impress you and try and get some action shots. That's what yeah. I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah. please do. <laughs> okay. Um, where can people find out more about you on the Internet, Sarah? Okay, you can find out um, all about me on my website, which is www.saraloveland.com. It's all on there. Lovely. And I know you're on Twitter and Facebook as well, aren't you? I am, but there, there are links on the website to there, so they should be able to, to find me, track you down. Lovely. Now, I know we've mentioned Scooter, but I've been very remiss, and I haven't asked you about your other two dogs, so tell me about them. Okay, the other two, um, Toby the Border Collie, he's six, and he's a bit of a nutter. <laughs> aren't they all Border Collies? <laughs> Yeah, you know what they're like. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Ruby is um, probably 18 months. She's a rescue dog. 
uh, from Morgan's Rescue. And I've only had her about three months, but uh, she's an Irish terrier crossed with something, possibly kangaroo, because she's got strings <laughs> in her feet. But uh, she's settling in really nicely. I'm really pleased with her. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it, to anybody that doesn't know Sarah, hasn't met Sarah, um, you do put some lovely photos of your dogs on Facebook. So um, it, it's well worth going and checking Sarah's page out because there's some lovely shots. You will find inspiration there. Um, <laughs> Thank you. OK, well, I know you've got a busy day and, you, and I know you do a lot of activities with your dog. So I'll, I'll let you get back to your day. Brilliant. It's nice talking to you. Thank you. Cheers, Sarah. Some great advice there. If you check out Sarah's website and Facebook profile, you'll see she takes some gorgeous shots. I'll be trying to get some good shots of our dogs and uploading the results. If you follow her advice, please do upload your photo to the Dogcast Radio site so we can all appreciate your efforts. Sometimes you panic and find yourself emitting remarks so profoundly inane that you would be embarrassed to say them to your dog. Your dog would look at you and think to itself, I may lick myself in public, but I'd never say anything as stupid as that. Dave Barry. Buddy's Diary. Hello, Buddy the Black Labrador here. Since I last talked to you, some very odd things have been going on. A while ago, when my tall female person was sitting on the couch with me, just stroking me and talking to me nicely, just how I really enjoy, she suddenly started feeling around my neck. The next thing I knew, she'd got me pinned to the floor. Well, I'm exaggerating there. She gave me the command to lie on the floor, which, being a well-behaved dog, I did. And then she started examining my neck again. Now, all attention is welcome, and I enjoy nothing more than a good wrestle, but there was the smell of panic about her that I didn't like. Soon, my short female person, my tall male person, were joining in, parting the fur on my neck, staring at me, and all smelling of panic and worry. The next day, we were at the vet's, and although I usually love going to the vet, she did something horrible. If you're of a nervous disposition, sit down right about now, because that vet put a needle into my neck. In fact, more than one, she put lots of needles in my neck. All my people were there, and I knew it was serious and important, so I sat there as still as I could, and I got lots of really tasty treats, and the vet gave me a big cuddle afterwards, so my tail was soon wagging like mad again. But it is the stuff that doggy nightmares are made of. Now, you won't believe this, but a few days later, my people took me back to the vets and left me there. It was okay because everyone there is very dog friendly, but how odd is that? But then it got even stranger. The vet put another needle into me and suddenly I felt very sleepy. When I woke up I couldn't stop feeling sleepy and from the way my neck hurt that pesky vet had been sticking more needles in my neck while I was asleep. Now I ask you is that fair or nice? No Labrador would be that underhand. Once I was back at home I got lots of treats and attention and my people never left me alone. Now when I say never, that sounds good, doesn't it? And in the main it is. But they didn't leave me alone even when I was out in the garden. Not even when I was out in the garden going about my business. Not even when I was out in the garden going about my business where I don't have to cock my leg. Sometimes even a Labrador wants privacy. But I was stuck on a lead and my people followed me like a dog follows a piece of cheese, very closely. That is enough oddness for a whole lifetime But before my neck had even stopped hurting, my person found something on my tummy that she made me lie down and show her. 
and all my people gathered round, all smelling of worry and panic again. You guessed it, back to the vet for the sleepy needle, and this time I woke up with my tummy feeling horrible. Why on earth would a vet make you go to sleep and then hurt you? I try very hard to be cross with her, but every time we go back she's so friendly, and under all the sharp chemical smells of her surgery, I can detect a scent that tells me the vet really likes me. So I wag my tail and snake against her and generally give her a good labradoring. And you know what? It didn't stop there. We went to a great big building I'd never seen before and there were lots of other dogs that smelt sad and poorly. And although the people seemed dog friendly, they did the oddest things of all to me. They looked at my insides. Now as I said before, a dog needs some privacy and the insides of him should not be looked at and certainly never prodded about. I will never understand humans, but once again, on one visit to the big hospital, they used the sleepy needle on me, and I woke up with my tummy hurting again. But they also gave me the most wonderful thing, something that tasted so mouth-watering that I'm drooling just remembering it. They called it boiled chicken, and it almost made up for all the horrible odd things that have happened to me. My tall female has talked to me a lot about how sorry she is that all the odd stuff had to happen to me. And she told me that sometimes nasty things grow on a dog and they have to be taken away by a vet. I don't understand because there's nothing nasty about me. I'm the nicest dog you could hope to meet. But if she says it, it must be right. So what have I learned from it all? That boiled chicken is wonderful? That humans are even odder than I'd ever dreamed possible? That boiled chicken is wonderful? That nice dogs can grow nasty things on them? But most of all, I've learned a piece of wisdom that should be shared with all dogs. If a vet walks towards you with a sleepy needle, run as fast and as far as you can in the other direction. Because if she gets you with a sleepy needle, she will take liberties with you while you're asleep. Oh, and did I mention that boiled chicken is wonderful? Till next time. It is my experience that in some areas, Charlie is more intelligent than I am. But in others, he is abysmally ignorant. He can't read, can't drive a car, and has no grasp of mathematics. But in his own field of endeavour, which he is now practising, the slow, imperial smelling over and anointing on an area, he has no peer. Of course, his horizons are limited, but how wide are mine? John Steinbeck. I spoke in the last show about Buddy's health problems, and he had his adrenal gland removed on September the 18th. Thankfully, he came through the complicated surgery and is recovering well. Huge thanks to his surgeon, Chris Shales, at the Willows Veterinary Centre and Referral Clinic. Thank you also to everyone who sent in good wishes for Buddy, and I'm extremely grateful to you for keeping him in your thoughts and prayers. There's a few niggles now, like he's developed a slight infection and is on antibiotics, and there is a small lump on his leg that may need investigation, but he's doing brilliantly for nearly ten years old, and he's itching to get out on a walk again. So for now, Buddy's tail is wagging, and I'm smiling. A US artist, Carol Pavarnik, is in the midst of creating a fun new book for dog lovers called Dogitude. The book features dozens of dogs portrayed in Carol's lively watercolours, whose irreverent opinions are expressed in sassy haiku. This amusing, artful book is due to be published later this autumn and is sure to be a hit with anyone who, like me, has ever wondered what their dog was really thinking. 
Meanwhile, Carol has a Dogitude campaign active on Kickstarter until October the 4th, seeking to raise funds for book promotion. Anyone who has ever purchased anything from Amazon can easily back this project for any amount, ranging from $1 to $450. In exchange for the amount pledged, backers get to select a rewards package that can include signed copies of the book, note cards and fine art prints featuring paintings from the book, and original watercolour portraits by Carol. Beyond getting 100% funded, achieving certain additional funding milestones will unlock some neat bonus rewards. If you love dogs, dog art and dog humour, Dogitude is sure to be right up your alley. You can find out more about Dogitude at various places online, including the main site, dogitude.com, and on Facebook, and we have the links on the Dogcast Radio site too. Nina Cole, who's been a guest on Dogcast Radio talking about her pet-sitting experiences, is campaigning to get animal welfare and awareness of animal cruelty to be taught in all UK schools. She says this would provide an excellent opportunity to reduce the number of animal abuse cases. Studies show that people who commit violent acts towards animals frequently reoffend against people. Nina wants to work towards a world in which humans respect all animals and including animal welfare as part of the school curriculum will help create a more empathetic youth. If you agree with Nina, there's a petition you can sign called Introduce Animal Welfare to the School Curriculum and you'll find a link to that along with some more information about Nina's campaign on the Dogcast Radio website. Till next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident Dogcast Radio. That's all one word, Dogcast Radio. By email, you can contact me on Julie at dogcastradio.com When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. My dog's not very clever. I bought a dog whistle, but he hasn't used it.